welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theatre The Now. I'm your host, as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review while you're there. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at BlockTalkNYC, and visit TheatreTheNow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. She's taking the scene by storm with her powerful performances, amazing activism, and all-around humble heart. If she's not on your rising star radar, you might be living under a rock. Everything's coming up, Peaches. Hello. Hi, baby. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, You, Miss Booked and Blessed and Busy? Good. I'm booked and blessed and busy. Yeah, so it's 2021. Things are reopening. Um... And all I see is your face on like every poster, working at a bar almost every night. And to think like pre-COVID, you were just starting out. How has this been for you so far? It's been wild. It's been crazy. Uh, like you said, I was literally just kind of starting to enter the scene pre-quarantine. And then quarantine happened and I was like, oh, that's the end of my drag career. I, I like couldn't really imagine how to get my footing after everything shut down and we weren't sure when bars were going to open again. And uh, so I honestly, the first like month of quarantine didn't do drag at all because I was dealing with the anxiety and panic of being in the middle of the pandemic. And then slowly I started to do more digital stuff and I was like, well, at least this will keep me occupied and keep me distracted. And then as things started to reopen, I did the work that is needed to be done. And I reached out to some of the uh, bar managers and the talent bookers that I had talked to previously. And they started saying, hey, what's your availability like? And I was like, it's wide open because it's still a thing. <laughs> uh, and I just, I, I, I got very lucky, but I also like can't reiterate enough that the work was done and the work is still yeah. being done. Uh, I'm, I mean, even once I was starting to get things, Lexington Banks and I went and sat down at newer bars and sat down and talked talk to the owners and like, that's so much a part of it. And I think a lot of girls and queens and non-binary people and just drag artists in general kind of forget that it's a business. And yeah. I think that's one of the things that, I'm lucky that I come from a corporate background. I'm lucky that I come from a theater background where I know that there's a ton of work that has to be done. So now I feel a little bit like the work that I've done is paying off and I'm starting to see some of that come to fruition finally, which is. Absolutely. Well, we're going to talk about all of that, but we got to start at the beginning. We, We have to learn the origins of you. Where are you originally from? I am originally from Seattle, Washington. Uh, I grew up there and I went to school at a musical theater conservatory in California called the Pacific Conservatory of the Performing Arts that nobody has really heard of, but it was a really great experience. And I think it helped form me as an artist and informs a lot of my drag today. And I graduated in 2012, went and did a contract for six months and then 
came straight out here and was like, let's do it and move to New York because if you're going to do theater, that's where you got to be. So how did uh, theater enter your life? Were you always um, a big theater person? Yeah, I, I, I was always a wild kid and my mom tried literally everything. I was raised just by my mother, a single mother. And I mean, I played basketball, I played baseball, I played soccer for 10 years and like loved all the sports and stuff. And then eventually when I was eight, my mom introduced me to this program in Seattle that was intended to uh, kind of immerse black kids specifically into theater. Mm. And it was a summer program. It was for the full three months of the summer. And every summer we would put on a full scale musical and I started doing that when I was eight and fell in love and didn't look back after that. Now, I, I, uh, from my theater background, I remember that uh, Seattle for a very long time was home to a lot of out-of-town out of town tryouts. Mm -hmm. um, I think Catch Me If You Can started there. Um, there were a couple of big ones. Did you get to see any Broadway shows prior to Broadway? That oh, yeah. So the Fifth Avenue Theater is... right. Uh, where a ton of uh, out-of-town tryouts happened. There was uh, Catch Me If You Can, Memphis was there first. Uh, mm -hmm. The one that I saw was Shrek. And that <laughs> was Shrek in its early days when it was still in its out-of-town tryouts was a four-hour long epic. The dragon was played by 10 people. It was... Voiced by um, a goddess. Right. Um, but uh, uh, I so I, I saw I saw Shrek, I think, was one of the only ones that I saw um, I when I the last professional theater show I did, I was working in Seattle. And at the time mm -hmm. they were doing the first production of Romeo and Michelle, which is now in its developmental labs here. They just. Yeah, I think there was an article today saying they're doing mm -hmm. a little lab with Brittany Johnson, so, our black Glenda. We love it. Now, you say it on the West Coast. West Coast, the best coast? Question mark. I do not think so. I <laughs> the energy of New York. I get my my a lot of my family is from New York and grew up here, and I think it's just kind of bred into me. I I I, I got here, and immediately when I got here, I was like, oh, this is it. This is my speed. These are my people. Um, I go back and visit all the time, but I I, I think. I think I'll probably die in California somewhere if it hasn't, you know, burned to the ground or <laughs> cracked off and slipped into the Pacific. But uh, New York, there's just nothing like it for me. And I mean, when I when I moved here, I was working a survival job at Trader Joe's and I was making twelve hundred dollars a month. And if I can be that happy and feel that at home, being that broke and that tired, then I, I think. I found my place for a while. So you come to New York with the survival job, focusing on the acting career. Mm -hmm. Shetler Studios, Pearl Studios. I bet you did all those uh, cattle calls. Honey, I have been at 508th Avenue more times than I ever cared to be. <laughs> Pearl Studios is a curse word in this house. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I did it all. I honestly was was uh, in the grand scheme of things relatively successful I was doing at least one or two shows a year which mm. for a lot of actors is not the case and I mean uh, it's kind of similar to the way the drag 
scene is currently in New York. There's just, this is where people come. It's the Mecca for theater. So like there are literally tens of thousands of people vying for 5,000 jobs a year. So if you get it, you're lucky. And uh, yeah, I, I, I did it for a long time. And then I realized it was not making me happy anymore. Was that when the transition into drag started? Uh, essentially, uh, 2018, I had hit rock bottom. That was me. Uh, I, I was as depressed as I've ever been um, and not really sure how to change it. And I didn't know what to do. And my mom called me and was like, hey, you need a break. Get out of the city. And we ended up taking a little mini vacation together. And I think in that vacation, I was like, I have to change everything or I'm going to be stuck here. And I came back to the city and I started applying for corporate jobs again, quit my job at Trader Joe's, got a job at HBO and was just doing like kind of temp work there. And while I was there, my roommate at the time, Taylor Yaman Jones, uh, who's my best friend in the whole world, um, was like, you should try drag. And I was like, uh, should I? <laughs> and she was like, I'll paint you for the first time and you can... Uh, love it or leave it but whatever you should do it and I was like okay cool let's do it and so she painted me and I was like okay that's kind of cute I, I I could be an okay drag queen maybe and then the real catalyst for all of it um my my drag sister in LA Mia Mia uh we were all gonna get together because Taylor was doing a show in San Diego and so we were all gonna get together have a, a mini drag retreat is what we called it and just um wanted to get in drag. And so I was like, I'm not gonna be the stupid looking one. I'm gonna at least practice a little bit and try and get better at my makeup skills. And uh, I, so I started doing that. And then that, it, it was like a gateway drug. I, I did that. I bought a Fashion Nova dress. I bought a pair of heels. Next <laughs> thing I knew, I was buying pads and it grew from there. How would you describe peaches in three words? Um, black, funny, and unapologetic. Yeah, that's that. That that's it. Let's talk about the origin of the drag name. How did peaches come about? <laughs> it's not as exciting as everybody wants it to be. I originally was gonna had chosen the drag name Thotiana, and then <laughs> the song came out, and I was like, oh, can't use that. <laughs> and uh, my, I am one of 11 kids on my dad's side. And one of my biological sisters, her nickname is Peaches with a Z. And I was like, work, that's a drag queen. There it is. And I took it and she still claims that I owe her money for that. And <laughs> I think that she owes me money for other things. So I'm does, she, does, she have, does she have the merch yet? No, I've got the merch, baby. <laughs> so let's talk about it how long does it take to transform into peaches nowadays oh nowadays it's gotten very quick uh when i first started it was about a four-hour process and because so like kimura hall level four me, hours kimura hall like sitting in the workroom looking at each of my friends leaving the room and i'm still sitting there trying to draw on an eyebrow um because I, I, I have five shows 
I have five weekly shows right now. And then I also worked on a little secret project that required me to get into makeup every single day for a month, uh, very early in the morning. I just kind of got it down to a science. And now yeah. it's uh, in, a, in a pinch, we can like be ready to walk out the door in 40 minutes. If I really need it, it'll be about an hour to just like take my time, but yeah. And I've honestly found that when I'm rushed and I'm working quicker, I'm not thinking about things as much and I can kind of slap the face on a little better, honestly. Do you have any traditions you have when you get ready? No, um, sometimes I, I don't always listen to music and like, because I'm so busy lately, I don't get to spend as much time with my boyfriend. So there are a lot of times that he'll be in the living room watching a TV show and I just tell him to turn it all the way up and I'll just listen mm -hmm. to the TV show while I'm painting and we'll laugh and he'll tell me what's going on sometimes. And I love that. A little bonding moment for a bit. We, we love quality time. Yeah. Favorite products, what do you use? Uh, I swear by Juvia's Place. I build my whole face with Juvia's. I use their foundation, their concealer, their shade sticks for contour. I have at least six of their palettes. I just think it is a, a brand that was created by black women for, pig, uh, for melanated skin that's highly pigmented so that it stands out. Their foundation is the fullest coverage that you could ever possibly ask for. There have been times where I've been in a rush and forgot to shave. And I've slapped that baby on and magic, magic. That's literally <laughs> what it's called. Magic concealer. <laughs> so there no, you I go. Love place and I swear by it. And I tell anybody that I can that it's the ticket. So I love that. And it's okay, cheap. So is it? it I mean, the price point is I they're doing sales constantly, but I, their foundation it, on any given day is between like 16 and $10. Oh, that's not bad. It's really, it's pretty wild. And their palettes, like they'll put their palettes on sale and they will be $8 for a full palette. And I'm like, work. So nice. that's cool. So San Diego, you're doing your little drag retreat. Did you perform? Nope. We didn't even leave the house. Nope. Okay, <laughs> that's fun. I had to, so, we had every intention of going out and then it just didn't happen. We got caught up. We were all really new to it. So it took us four or five hours to get into drag. And then next thing we knew, we were like, let's take some pictures and then let's drink and go to bed. There you go. That's classic drag. Now, what was the first performance? Um, the first official performance, there is a restaurant that my old roommate Kirsten was working at um, called Il Cafe Latte 2 in Harlem and uh, it was the upstairs of this cafe the sound system was a mess it was a big railroad uh, restaurant so like half the group was in this back room that didn't have any speaker attached to it so they oh, couldn't God. hear the music and it, 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 was, it was wild, but I mean, it was cool. It was a big packed full house. And uh, that, was, that was the birth on August 15th, 2019. Do you remember what you performed first? Um, I think I performed Partition by Beyonce. 
because she has the line, he liked to call me peaches when we get this nasty. There we go. Okay, so let's talk fashion. Where do you find your drag inspirations when it comes to looks? Uh, uh, <laughs> um, uh, I am fully transparent that I am a Fashion Nova queen. Um, I, I love a Fashion Nova moment. I also love just like, I have hated my body for so long that now that I'm doing drag, and I, one, get to create a, a fake body, but to dislike the way that my drag body looks. I love a lingerie moment and mm-hmm. we'll just come out in a fucking deglatage and call it a day. Um, lately, I've been getting some more custom stuff from designers just because I am starting to do things that require a little bit more design and a little bit more than a $25 dress from the internet. But honestly, like, I, I, I think I'm still trying to figure out exactly what Peach's visual aesthetic is. And I kind of just gravitate towards things that I like and things that I know I'm going to look good in. That's fair. Now, any, any uh, collaborators you want to shout out? Any designers that you love working with? Um, I got a, there is a chocolate rose gold bodysuit and really cute little uh detachable skirt that I got custom made by uh uh large size which is uh Lauren uh Lauren Order and Gigi Deets design Mm -hmm. company that I love and they were just really wonderful to work with um I have some a, a, a couple of cute things from Black and White Stripes Thank goodness for my connection to Hibiscus because they are (laughs) so busy and so booked and I think just as overwhelmed as the rest of us. As far as believe me, Coretta and I have been trying to get a podcast together for two and a half years. Maybe. Yeah, they are just so busy, which I mean, we love stay booked, but it's a lot. Um, I have a couple of Florence moments that are, are, I love, um, I think something that's been frustrating for me is that I have had a hard time finding uh, BIPOC designers in the city and finding Mm -hmm. um, uh, designers of color. Um, Because while I love all of those names, I would love to be able to find a a steadfast uh, black designer, uh, an Asian designer here in the city that I, I could work with and, and lift their name up as well. So if you got any, send some my way because I absolutely post- <laughs> Listen, li- listeners tag peaches in those posts. Absolutely. I, 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 I put a post up every like two or three months into my, uh, into my story on Instagram. And I'm just like, anyone, where are the POC designers? And you know what? I'm just, I, I, I have a hard time because the, the POC designers that I work with aren't technically designers. They're not really making things for other people. Right. But Katrina Lovelace, who is one of the most talented mm-hmm. designers and most talented drag queens in the city, has really, really come through with some amazing designs for me and has given me some really incredible looks. Uh, she just did a look for me for the opening of Six the Musical and like, I love her to pieces. She is uber talented. She works on things so last minute for me, but I think she's trying to keep it hush hush that she's yeah. good at what she does because she too is working hard out here and is, is 
overwhelmed, but uh, she Absolutely. has made incredible things for me. And one of the other incredible POC designers that I've gotten looks from is Jax. Jax, a lot of people don't realize that Jax makes 95% Everything. of the things that she made, that she wears. And she has uh, come through and made some really cool things for me as well. So big shout out to them, but they're not necessarily designers because they're extraordinarily talented booked queens. It's absolutely true. Now, you competed in one of the very last seasons of Ultimate Drag Pageant. <laughs> what was that experience like for you? It was wild. Uh, I had been doing drag for three months and I had taken some photos of Peaches and changed my background on my phone. And I was drunk at Rise one night and it was after Marty Gold coming show. And she, I came up to her because I had met her like three times, but now as a drag queen, I understand when you meet people, they're probably not gonna remember you. And uh, Marty meets a thousand people a day. Excuse me. Um, and so I came up to her and I was like, hi, I love you so much. We've met a few times, this is all this. And she was like, okay, work. And then looked at my phone, saw my background and was like, wait, are you a drag queen? And I said, yeah. And she goes, you should do this competition that I host. And I go, okay, drunk. And then I woke up the next morning to a message from her saying, thanks for agreeing to do this. And I panicked and was like what did I get myself into but honestly I'm very very grateful for it because it was uh so early in my career I was forced to do so much and mm -hmm. learn to make mixes very quickly and learn to find looks really quickly and because of that I think uh, I've gotten I, I I've I, I became a better drag queen and I quickly had to kind of figure out what Peach's brand was rapidly at the very beginning um so it was great and i met a lot of my best friends in drag doing that competition lexington and i met doing that competition and now we have a weekly show and we're good friends uh andy starling literally held my hand through that whole process and kind of literally we would meet up almost every week and be like what's your plan this week where are you going and she really helped drive me and steer me in the right direction and like helped me figure out what that was. So it was it was very good. And I mean, it was the first time that I met Marty and little did I know. <laughs> Look where you are now. Look where I am now. What would you say was the hardest part about doing a long form competition? Having to have a new thing every week. I don't think people quite realize the effort that has to go into making mixes. I don't think that yeah. people appreciate showing up with a new uh, look every week, especially as a brand new amateur drag queen that isn't making a ton of money at the time. Um, and uh, I, and I, at the end of the day, that thing started at like 11 o'clock most nights and I was working full time still. Um, so, I mean, I would be in that bar until 3 a.m. and wake up and go to work at 7.30 the next day and then spend the week stressing and putting together a mix and finding a look and then doing that every week. Uh, that was the biggest challenge. Was there a week that you wish you can get a do-over on? Um, I think a lot of us agree that we kind of missed the mark on Horror Week. 
I think I had the concept, but I tried to be too different and tried to give you like a like I did my mind by Yeba and just tried mm-hmm. to make it like a dramatic my horror is being alone and yada yada yada. And I think if I went back and did it, I'd do a fucking cunty WandaVision mix or something. There you go. Why are competitions like this important for the start of drag careers? Um, I think, especially in New York, it's automatic exposure for you, one. Absolutely. Um, if you, I, 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 as we all know, if you can't build a crowd in a bar, then uh, you're probably not going to get booked. And mm-hmm. in these competitions, when you have 10 people competing that all have to bring people to help increase their audience vote, you're automatically going to get a, at least a small crowd, a medium-sized crowd to come and see you and know who you are. Um, so I think it's really big about building your name. I think it's just good to get those reps and to get used to being on stage and figuring out what drag is and what that means. Um, and I, I think it's good to push you to have to force you to create rapidly and create yeah. a lot of content very quickly. Well, speaking of creating content, 2020 was the year of digital drag and you took partook in quite a few. What was the experience like bringing your art form from stage to screen? I hated it, to be honest. It was not wonderful. <laughs> it's exhausting. I still every now and then have a digital gig. And when I'm doing my setup, I'm just like, oh my gosh, we're doing this again. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it, it's, it's stressful and it, it is, it was cool. I think my favorite thing was the Mario Party video um, in that I went through the trouble of getting a choreographer. I had a bunch of my friends come and, and dance with me. I had my friend Fancy Drew direct and, and kind of help me with all the editing for that. But at the same time, I had to do all of those things. Walking into a bar and having a DJ play a track for you is very different than creating a mix, going out and buying $300 worth of lighting, getting people to help record, getting people to like make it. Nobody wants to watch you on an iPhone stand there and lip sync, frankly. It's true. true. (laughs) to, To make sure that these things, you stand out in those crowds requires you to really put together a production. And it takes a lot of effort to do that. And honestly a lot of money sometimes so did all of those skills and things you learned during the digital age did that help you transition back into live performance um yes in that I was still doing drag and I was staying relatively fresh with what my performance was and what my performance style was um but like I said I think they're completely different beasts so I'm grateful for it because all the digital drag kept me in drag and kept me doing drag and I would never ask to do it again. That's fair. Are you incorporating any of those digital performances of those numbers and mixes into any of your live performances? No, (laughs) just flatly. No. I mean, if you've been to any of my shows, I, uh, I'm a, I'm a host. I like to sit and talk with the audience. So a lot of my performances just like, kikiing with people um and i loved 
I, I, it's unpopular, especially in New York with a lot of girls, but I love to do a song straight through. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I love my mixes, but I, I love to just perform SZA. <laughs> I love to yeah. do a song straight through. So I, and because I crafted a lot of those mixes specifically for what my vision was for this digital space, a lot of them just sure. wouldn't make a lot of sense if I did them live. That makes sense. Yeah. So your lineup includes The Odd Trouble at the Liberty, Quench at Playhouse, The Birdcage at the Q, Caramel Kiss the Pieces. You got so many things going on. One thing that they all kind of have in common is you are there with a co-host. What is that like getting to work with so many rising stars of NYC? It's my favorite thing about it. I get to know people very intimately. When you learn someone's performance style, when you learn how they work, it and you get to put your trust and you have someone else trust you to carry a show with you. I think it uh, makes you a better performer. It makes you a better business person. It makes you, uh, a, a lot of people think it is easier to do that, but if you don't have that trust with your co-host, it is not the easiest thing in the world and kind of makes you have to work harder. So I'm very happy for it. I'm very grateful for it. Um, and I've got, I, I'm working with some of my best friends in the world. Hibiscus, literally, we didn't really know each other before quarantine. And mm-hmm. now we talk every single day and we have two shows a week together. And like that, that is just one of my tribe now. And I love that about drag. Are you excited to be able to do a solo show? Yeah, I've got my brunch now on Saturdays. Yeah. Which I, I have a guest every week. Uh, because they asked me to do that and because I want that so I can take a break. But uh, I, I'm, ve- I'm very excited about that. And I love, I, I love to do a solo show. Yeah. I, um, uh, 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 like I said, I love I loved the hosting aspect of drag. That is my favorite part of drag. So when I get to do my own show, I kind of get to run on my tangents. I get to play with the audience. I get to really engage. And so I am, very pumped about it and hopefully there will be more to come absolutely now you've joined the drag news for the second season i did tell us about that experience that was so much fun it was uh two days of shooting my partner was heidi ho when we were in studio excuse me um and uh it was fun it was a long day it was tiring but it was so much fun. Heidi was a hoot. The whole team at NBCLX was really, really great. And I, I think I unfortunately don't have NBCLX, so I haven't gotten to see any of these <laughs> episodes, but I think that the product turned out well. And then our day outside was fun and wild. We had a protester at, a, at the shoot the day that we were out there. Um, yeah, I remember seeing your uh, Instagram story and being like, I hope they're safe. Oh, Baby, I will always be safe. <laughs> I am Peaches the bouncer when need be. But um, yeah, it was it was fun. It was wild. It was good. It was fun to get on camera and see how that was. And yeah, it was a good Do time. Do you have any aspirations to be a newsreader? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, and let me take it back. If the check is right, I will read whatever news that you want. <laughs> there you go. All right, we're going to play our first game. It is called This or That. Gonna give you two options. You're gonna tell me the one you pick. You got it. All right. Tea or coffee? Tea. 
Morning or night? Night. Laundry or dishes? Lawn dishes. <laughs> Bath or shower? Shower. Ninjas or pirates? Ninjas. Instagram or Twitter? Twitter lately. <laughs> Warm colors or cool colors? Warm. Beach or mountains? Beach. Movie or musical? Musical. Fate or destiny? That's hard. Fate mm -hmm. or destiny? Um, I feel like they're the same. I, I will say destiny. Growth or security? Security comes with growth, so growth. Regret or doubt? Regret. Plain or pattern? Patterned. Work hard or play hard? Work hard. Cash or Venmo? <laughs> Cash. There you go. So I love to go behind the music and learn what your signature number is and how it became your signature number. So what's the one that everyone requests from you? Um, I think right now I have this ring mix that is just the dumbest thing. I was watching The Real Housewives of Atlanta from the beginning and I got to a season where Kim Zilchiak Bierman is recording her second single called The Ring Didn't Meaning a Thing. And I was like, oh, whoa, that's a drag number. And so <laughs> I, I like Googled it and there was only her raw studio vocals um, with no backing track. Like that's all there was. And so I took it and I was like, let's make a mix. And I ended up like putting it together with Seven Rings by Ariana Grande and, mm -hmm. uh, and like Break Free and, and I Don't Need a Man. It's, it's just a fun, really stupid number. We love that. Now, I know you said you like doing songs straight through, but when it comes to mixes and creating a mix, what comes first? Is it the song, the theme, the audio clip? How do you generate a mix? Um, a lot of times I'll, I'll come up with like, uh, it's usually like a theme or an idea. Like sure. I need to like, like currently I have these Halloween mixes that I need to get done uh, for a brunch that is literally this weekend. <laughs> and <laughs> I, uh, and so I just, uh, for one of, for one of the mixes, I was like, I need to figure out how to do a mix that is about why black people don't do horror movies or like how they would react inside of a horror mm -hmm. movie. So then I'll usually go from there and just start Googling like black people in a horror movie and see what clips come up on YouTube. Um, and from there, like I found this like epic version of Bad Idea by Ariana Grande. And so then there's just clips of people saying like, hey, do you wanna go search for witches in the woods? And then it's just black people going, no, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> 
and then Ariana Grande belting bad idea. So it's mm. usually an idea that I will grow from there unless I find a nice. song. Yeah. I, I'm here for that. We're back live. Things are happening, which means drag roulettes, they're coming back. What is one song that you wish the audience would stop requesting? Rain on me. I'm done with it. <laughs> this pride. You done no more? I, pride really ruined that song for me. I think I performed it at least 150 times and I just, I, I, I love You're it. Done. It's a beautiful song, but I can't hear it anymore. I'm done with it. That's fair. That's fair. Well, speaking of music, we're doing a new game. It is called Peach's Ultimate Playlist. Music is universal. It brings people together and helps give a little insight on a person. In this game, we are going to create a playlist of nine songs that are the soundtrack of your life. So I'm going to give you a uh, a prompt and you're going to give me the song that fits it. Okay. All right. First, a song that reminds you of home. A song that reminds me of home. Um, Golden Lady by Steven, Stevie Wonder. All right. Next is... A song that reminds you of college. Um, the entire soundtrack of In the Heights. All right. A song that gets me in the mood to party. Um, anything by Beyonce. So I will say uh, In the Mood to Party. Party by Beyonce. A song you sing in the shower. Mm. Paris and June by Johnny Swim. All right. A song that reminds you of winter. Winter. Ooh, a song that reminds me of winter. Uh, I mean, Christmas music, probably like Xtina's Christmas album. Nope. It's the Eight Days of Christmas by Destiny Child. All right. A song that reminds you of an ex. Oh God, a song that reminds me of an ex. Um, you're necessary, you're very necessary. It's uh, off of DK3. Um, oh my gosh, I'm gonna find it. Give me one moment. All right. It's a Danity Kane song. Off. Of, it's the very first song off of DK3. Oh. Not, I'm not very well versed in the Danity Kane, so I can't. Oh, rhythm of Love. Okay, there we go. A song you listen to when you're down. Um, Distance by Emily King. A song that makes you feel powerful. Ooh, powerful. I mean, I. Ooh, what's a good song that makes me feel... It's going to be something by Beyonce. Um, the most powerful... Probably Hold Up by Beyonce. Okay. Mm-hmm. And finally, the song that made you who you are. Oh, my gosh. That is a big question. The song that made me who I am. That's a hard question. Mike. Yeah, I, I love hard questions. The song that made me who I am. 
there, there's so many ways to go with that. Um, I mean, we can start at the very beginning and say Crazy in Love by Beyonce. There you go. That's a good start. That makes sense. Well, we're, we're, we'll share this with the listeners and, and they'll get to listen to your playlist. Work. Theater is back and is it better than ever? Question mark. No, but <laughs> here's the thing with theater. Mm-hmm. Theater has always been an old white person's sport. And uh, there's not really a, until, I'm going to rewind. The fight that is happening right now for diversity and inclusion and equity in general on Broadway, in theater, regionally, in theater across the board Mm -hmm. is seemingly specifically to a lot of white people a battle to change the way that productions look and i think what everybody not everybody but i think what the masses are missing is that equity will come when the production teams reflect this diversity that we're looking for so until the producers are also a hand a, a a a big melting pot of black people and women and latinx producers and API producers until our creative teams reflect that desired mix. All of it is 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 performative, is small change in the grand scheme of things. So absolutely, I think Broadway is back. I think that white people feel guilty because they're finally being called out on it. And frankly, they wouldn't make any of these changes without people calling them out on it, which is the problem in the first place. Um, but at the end of the day, until the entire mechanism is changed and is more inclusive, then it's all going to be the same. It's going to be performative. And Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you basically summed up the question I was going to ask next. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of work to be done. We obviously have the Broadway Advocacy Coalition. Um, they made their debut on the media uh, at, at the Tonys. And yeah, it, it was it was great, but that we see it now. Let's now see the change. And I, I'm, I'm optimistic, um, but I'm also, I, I, I worked on Broadway. I, I, I've, I've seen the inner workings and I worked on a show that was, written by a black playwright, directed by Kenny Leon. The cast was all black except for the one character who was not supposed to be. And yet the design team was not. And I was like, that just doesn't work. You're telling a black story without black creators that you're almost there, you're not there. Granted, this was 10 years ago. And also Alicia Keys was brought on to be one of the main producers because you know you need the face and her glorious pocketbook. Um, But it, it just, it, it, hopefully there'll be a change soon and, and we'll, we'll see it. But we'll see. with that, the average person thinks that theater is Broadway, but theater goes beyond that. How can we encourage those big spenders to see off Broadway or indie theater and help those artists who are struggling as well? Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a matter of asking people to think outside the box and to go and explore. We live in New York City and New York City is so rich in arts and in so many different types of productions constantly that I think 
it can be a little overwhelming to even figure out where to go. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I think things like, uh, we, we have these major publicity firms, we have these major marketing firms that do a lot of work for Broadway shows and they make a lot of money doing those Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. If each of those firms each year chose a show to work on pro bono and promote in a similar or, or close to same way, just to get the word out that these projects exist, I think that is a, an easy first step towards creating more buzz about these things. Because how are you going to know about Cyrano playing downtown if nobody knows that it exists? Yep. You know. I, I, believe, believe me. I mean, I, I don't know how how much you know about my career prior to nightlife, but I was a theater critic. I was um, the indie theater critic for the longest time. And then when I got to be part of the um, drama desk and uh, I started to move up and got to review Broadway and everything, I had to shift my time. And there wasn't anyone else really working at the lower level again. And I had all these press people begging me, come back, please. We need you to like bring uh, your voice back and bring your interviews back. And I was like, I want to, but I need to look out for me also. But it's, it's heartbreaking knowing how little some people really care about the indie theater scene, even as a playwright when I was writing. It's just, it's not the same thing. Right. And I mean, I think it also is hard because frankly people don't want to take a chance on with money right right people don't want to take a chance and at the same time a lot of the things that are happening off broadway are fantastic but there are also a lot of things off broadway that i will never get that time back so to be oh sure so you know (laughs) it i mean it's like thrifting almost where like you have Mm -hmm. to kind of sort through it all and find the gems that are hidden in there but at the same time, Off-Broadway is usually significantly more affordable. So if you have the time, like, why not? Go support. Do you have a, do you have a dream role? Uh, do I have a dream role? Honestly, I accidentally, I, y- you know, Taylor, my best friend, was in Head Over Heels. And I got obsessed with the part that Peppermint played. I think that Pythia was a cool mm-hmm. part. And I think it would be so fun to like sing down. So when the revival comes back, when they get it right, I will be playing Pythia on Broadway. Are you going to go to LA to go see the- uh, The Passing a Playhouse one? Oh my God, I want to so bad. Taylor, I think is going to get to see it. And I like very well might fly back out there just to see it because it's yeah. like a cool cast. Um, but, uh, I honestly, my very last show that I did was dream girls, which I didn't even realize was a dream show until I got into it. And I understudied Jimmy early and I got to go on 10 times through the run. And that was a dream role that I didn't even know I had. And it was so fun and such a fun journey to go on with that character because it's a great show and a great character. Now, what about Peaches? What is Peaches' dream role? Um, Peaches' dream role. Oh my goodness. Peaches would be a fierce baker's wife and into the woods okay. or the witch. I think the witch. I think that's it. I, uh, you do know the history of that the 2000 whatever 2002 revival that witch was supposed to be Billy Porter. Oh, uh, was it? 
And they decided to cancel that first initial production because it was right after uh, 9-11. And they didn't think it was going to work to having man play the witch. So then when it reopened, it was Vanessa Williams. But it was supposed to be Billy Porter. That was going to be his big, big, big break. Oh, that's annoying. Right? They had to get express permission from Sondheim himself to let Michael Kilgore play it at that production Mm -hmm. he did a couple years ago. Um. Yeah, I would love to play the witch. Well, Peaches would love to play the witch. Also, nobody will ever be able to tell me differently, but Madame Morrible is a drag queen. Absolutely. I, I would tear that shit up. So give me like 30 more years and I'm gonna show up there and give you a fierce Madame Morrible. All right, we put it out in the universe. Universe, take it in, let's make it happen. All right, we're gonna play the cameo game show. If you're not familiar with the website Cameo, you can book a celebrity to record a message for you or a loved one for a small price. But each celebrity has a different cost. In this game, you have to guess who costs more. And we are going to do the Real Housewives Potomac Edition. Oh, yes. (laughs) Um, Now, I don't know this franchise well, so if I have mispronounced their names, I apologize, but I'm going to do my best. You ready? Yes. All right. First up, we have Robin Dixon or Wendy Acefo. Oh, I bet you Zen Wen, Miss Wendy is more expensive. You're correct. She is $99 and Robin is $95. I would pay all of that money. Next up is Karen Huger or Katie Rost. Oh, Karen is 5,000% more expensive. Yeah, it's true. She is $285 and Katie is $99. $285 for Karen Huger, the grand dame of the Potomac? I live. Next, we have Ashley Darby or Candace Dillard Bassett. Oh, that's a hard one. I feel like Candace thinks she's more popular, so probably is charging more. So I'm going to go with Candace. She's 99 and uh, Ashley is $1 more at 100. Oh, okay. Oh, Candace is a nightmare. You should really watch Potomac. It is <laughs> just crazy. All right, next we have Mia Thornton or Giselle Bryant. Mia or Giselle? Giselle's more expensive. She's 95. Mia is 99. Who did she is new here? Who does she think she is? Uh, I don't know. That's what these ladies are doing. Now, I'm going to give you one more. This is from Salt Lake City. How much can you get a Whitney Rose cameo for? Whitney? Oh, uh, I wouldn't pay more than 45 probably. Um, I mean, based on those Potomac numbers, I'm going to say Whitney is charging a sensible $98.99. Very close. 100 bucks. Oh, see? Yeah, that makes sense. Those girls are probably all charging a lot. Yeah, it's true. Drag is political. You are a proud activist and important voice in the community. Why is that important to you? And how can you encourage others to get involved to bring change? Uh, It is important because even if you have the ability to watch or listen to this podcast, you have more privilege than I wanna say at least 40% of your neighbors right now. And I got to a place where I realized the privilege that I have 
even as a marginalized person. And if I can do anything in my power to help uplift the voices of marginalized people, uh, to help people that have a little bit less than me, if I'm helping people that have more than me, then so be it. But at the end of the day, the world is ending around us. Things have been put into very severe perspective, I think over the last two years. And I think anything that we can do to just be compassionate to each other and to be patient with each other and to help lift each other up so that we can all be in this space and just exist. There's so much good and so many resources to go around for people. I don't understand why we can't all just do that. Why? Yeah we're so quick to put others down when they don't have as much as us. And it's so easy to just say, hey, do you need help? Um, there's this idea that I always speak about, about equity and about equality, which are two very different things. And if you need me to get into it later, I'm happy to. But I, I think it's kind of ridiculous when people spend all this time talking about equity and talking about uh, diversifying and finding equality for people inside of all of these, inside of the drag space, inside of theater, inside, inside of movies and television, but don't want to let that translate to their actual lives and have this really nimby attitude about things that's not in my backyard, if you don't know, um, about people that are down on their luck, that are experiencing mental illness that can't for themselves or can't find the resources to help themselves. So I, I think it would be hypocritical of me, it would be dumb of me to come into my shows and tell people to be anti-racist, to be equitable, to put their economy back into these communities that don't have as much as them, and then to not also be participating on the ground level as much as I can. So I, 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 at the end of the day, it's about compassion and empathy for me. Do you have political aspirations? No. no. I, um, I, I work for a political consulting firm during the day and I see the way all that works and I, I, it does not interest me. Um, I think a lot of good can be done in my political aspirations are to get to a point that I am financially stable enough and hopefully in a lucrative enough position that I can find my power as a black non-binary queer performer to start to change things. Because at the end of the day, money is what controls everything. Right. So if I can start putting my money into organizations and if I can start really uh, 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 funding and help put my money into the people that do have political aspirations that align with my thinking, then I think that's where my, my time will be best served. Nice, I like that. How important is a drag family? Do you need a drag family to still feel a sense of sisterhood in the community? I do not think you need one. Excuse me. Uh, I think, my drag family is very important to me. Uh, I have gotten very lucky in Marty bringing me into the fold um, and the opportunities that were created because of um, Marty and the work that they do for the community and for me. But at the same time, uh, I, I think 
I know many people in the city that don't have drag families that have created a community for themselves that are working to really take the friendships that are being made and build their chosen family. So uh, I think family is what you make of it and family can be whatever you need it to be. But mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that my drag family is very important to me as well. Yeah. You'll, oh, don't worry. We'll get to your drag family shortly. Love and drag. Is it possible? I didn't think so in the beginning, but uh, uh, it'll be a year ago at the end of this month, I stumbled into a relationship and it like is very much one of those things where uh, I think people constantly tell you oh, when you're not looking for it, it's finally going to happen. <laughs> and I'm like, shut up. That doesn't mean anything. Like, stop with your stupid sayings. And then literally <laughs> the day before I met my boyfriend, I said, I couldn't possibly imagine sharing my bed right now with someone else. And now there he is. You're doing it. Baby. <laughs> That's great. Congratulations. Thanks. I don't think it's anything to be congratulated about, but like, I'm very happy to have two relatively successful careers and to have someone that I love and that loves me back. And I got a dog and like things are, are nice in my life and are going very nice. well. He's All right. Well, we are going to play tea time. It's your opportunity to spill some tea on some of your favorite sisters, friends, people you stare at a stage with, a digital screen with. And you're going to tell us a little bit of a story if you want and see, oh see if you get yourself in trouble. I All right. Let, let, let's start off with Mother Dearest, Marty Gold Cummings. I love Marty Gold Cummings way more than I ever thought that I would. Um, I got very lucky meeting her 14 times. And then finally on the 15th time, she decided she remembered me. Um, Marty, over the last year, Marty has become one of my best friends, uh, which I did not expect, but mm -hmm. we have a conversation every day just about what's going on in our lives. And she is, guided me I've guided her we have just we I, I, I love Marty and I think Marty is working tirelessly to do everything she can to make the scene better in this new position that she has at the Q and at Hush she is trying to really put her money where her mouth is regarding the diversity that she wants to see in the city in the drag world um, and I think that Marty also works very, very hard in a thankless position, in a position that kind of uh, is underappreciated. And I think mm -hmm. because she's the first drag artist to be in this position at this point, people are approaching her the way that they did other talent managers, not realizing that she's been on that side as well. Sure. And she's well aware of how this whole thing works. So it's been really interesting just watching her manage that because like, I would love to do what she's doing right now and to watch the way that she's balancing that has been a big learning experience for me regarding 
dealing with bar owners and bar managers. It's been a great learning experience for me to understand how to communicate with other drag artists. Um, but I love Marty. I love my Mart Mart. And uh, there's, we've got some very special fun things coming down the pipeline in the new year. And I'm excited to share with the world. All right, next up, Andy Starling. I love Andy. Uh, I, I think quarantine, unfortunately, kind of pushed us apart a bit. Um, but Andy, I really credit with giving me so much guidance, especially through the UDP year. And uh, just Andy is someone that I cherish and is a close friend of mine. Next, Fancy Drew. I, you know what? We're spilling tea. Let's so, do it. Uh, full tea, Fancy Drew is and was one of my closest friends for a long time. Fancy was somebody that we had a daily call during quarantine. Um, and uh, we just were, just were going on walks together. We're really just getting each other through. And I think on the other side of quarantine, I have, we both have grown in different ways. And I think we are not as close right now. And I, I mean, there are, I, I'm not going to spill all the tea, but there are just certain things that I think have made it difficult for us to clearly communicate with each other. And it's been frustrating for me and I've been very tired and haven't had the chance to be clear and direct with her. And I, I, I'm sad that I feel like our friendship has suffered because of it, but I also know that I, <laughs> I have put too much effort and work to get to a certain place to feel disrespected or to feel right. like things have gone awry. So it, it's just a matter of talking it out and knowing that that's my sister and somebody that I love dearly and started my career with in the city and this too shall pass. Yeah, it's true. I mean, conversations make things better. Yep. Communication is Next key. Next up. Yep. Next up, Misty Mountains. Who? Misty Mountains. Misty Mountains. I love that bitch. I didn't know Misty that well. And then after quarantine, we just, I got, I got to do her brunch a few times. And Misty is just one of those people that is um, like, like a cool crazy, if that makes sense. <laughs> oh, totally. Misty. I feel like uh -huh. that's a good description. Oh yeah, She's absolutely. One of the most chill human beings that I've ever met. She's endlessly talented and she is just uh, a, a a doll. I fucking love Misty Mountains. And I'm sad because I haven't seen her in a while, but she is just like, she's a girl that you can call if you ever need coverage for something. She's a girl that you can call if you just want to kiki. She, she met Taylor at a brunch one day and they exchanged numbers and then they went to dinner and I was like, <laughs> yes, friends, come on, friends. I, I, I love Misty. Next up, I Slaya. I Slaya and I were relatively close 
after her, her season was directly following my season in UDP. And I think that she is a, an enormously talented person here. We drifted apart during quarantine. We had our own issues during quarantine as people do, as drag artists do. Um, and unfortunately on the other side of it, I think we're both just very busy right now and haven't really reconnected. I don't know. Sure. I've seen her a couple of times. I'm not sure that she really cares for me anymore, but I have no idea. Next up, your sister, Janae Sequa. That's 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 the one. I've never seen someone grow more in such a short amount of time than Janae Sequa. She is a, a, and I think the thing that makes her so special is that she's endlessly intelligent and she's very smart about the way that she works and the way that she talks to people. Mm -hmm. um, she is a seamstress. She makes all of her looks. She, I, 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 I'm just very proud of her and all that she does and thinks that uh, I, it's great to have another person, especially in my family, that uh, is very much oriented in making sure that Black voices are being heard and that mm -hmm. uh, uh, marginalized people are being heard and making sure to push as much of our culture out into the mainstream as we can. I, I can't speak higher of Janae. She's great. All right, Zuby Zuby Zoo. What do you guys say about Corma Kelly? I love my Cormy. Corma Kelly is a, a gem. She's a, a dear, dear friend of mine. She's actually the one that uh, called me to ask about the odd throuple. Um, we had done one show post UDP. She just had me guest. It might have even been during UDP, and mm -hmm. we just I I I, I don't know I think she's out of her mind in the best way possible. Um, mm -hmm. And she, as far as I'm concerned, is the new generation of comedy queen in the city. I think her brand is so specific and so hers and is so spot on. And watching audiences react to her comedy is one of my favorite things in the world. Um, and like, as of late, I just like, wanna sleep with Korma every time I see her. <laughs> I told her all to, right, all right. Korma, you're sexy to me right now. So. All right. All right, another big name who works at the pieces, Kiki Ball Change. Kiki! I... <laughs> Kiki was my sister. Kiki was one of my closest friends. She lived around the corner for me, so in quarantine... Outside of Fancy Drew, she was the only other person that I was really seeing and talking to on a regular basis. Um, I think this was another matter of uh, communications falling apart. Um, mm -hmm. Kiki and I don't really talk anymore. I, I mean, full disclosure, I stopped talking to Kiki because I didn't feel like she was being a great friend to me. And we've talked since then and she's apologized to me and I, believe that I've apologized to her and if I haven't Kiki I'm sorry um but uh I think she is very talented I've always thought she was talented uh she was I used to go to her show every week <laughs> I was a fan before I was her friend um and before I was her sister and I think that uh Kiki has like all of us a ton of anxiety about a lot of things and sometimes that overwhelms her and doesn't allow her to be the best friend to, at least to me. 
I'm speaking That's only fair. from my experience. And uh, That's fair. that is, I don't know, it, it's been difficult and I, it kind of really sucks because she's also getting back into it and blowing up right now. And I am loving that that's happening for her. And I am just kind of sad that we're not having that journey together because yeah, through all of quarantine, I thought that was somebody that I was going to have these journeys together. And it kind of sucks and hurts to see that it's not, not to say like Quar- I need a, shirt, a show with her or something, but like, I thought that we'd be working in the same bars together and we'd be able to yeah. keep, be able to call each other and be like, yes, but you're doing that. And I just don't know that. Yeah, I, I, I feel like quarantine really tested relationships in ways that I don't think a lot of us were prepared for. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm still dealing with um, someone ghosting me um, who I was super close with during quarantine. And it, it, it sucks. It's, it's, it's hard because I still don't have closure. I still don't know what I did. And I, I don't know, but quarantine really tested friendships in ways that I don't wish upon my worst enemy. Yeah, I hear it. All right. Well, someone who I think you, you, you are a fan of, let's talk nerdy about her, Lexington Banks. That's, that's my sister. I think another person that I have seen just like grow immensely over the last year and a half, two years um, who is, uh, she is a hard worker. I think that is something that's drawn us together is that we are hard workers and we're mm-hmm. very much into the business side of what this all means and going out and sitting with managers together, the two of us. Um, and I think she is, is a, a, a dumb bitch. And, and like, that's my, that's my dumb bitch. Cause I'm a dumb bitch and you're a dumb bitch together. And our show on Sunday is literally just us being dumb bitches together, which. Love. Are you at, are you as into the, the geekdom as she is? What geekdom? Like, like Marvel. We did a six hour podcast talking about the Marvel movies. I am not like deep in it, but I am definitely a huge Marvel fan. My boyfriend is a big old gamer geek and has drawn me further into the marvel fandom but i'm not as i could not sit for six hours and talk about marvel that's fair that's fair well speaking of gamer skywalker bitch i don't know what happened but in meeting sky some i i have a bad habit of falling in love quickly with people whether it be relationships whether it be my friendships and she's just somebody that like immediately I knew was just family. And I think like, she, she's just a superstar. I, I'm very excited to see what happens in Sky's career and Sky's life because she is an absolute bona fide superstar. And on top of it is easily one of the kindest people that I've ever met in my Absolutely. life. Absolutely. And is just Absolutely. always, there have been times where I've showed up to a show and I've been in an absolute funk and been like, I can't, I don't want to do this. I can't do this. And she just comes along and is like, no girl, we're going to do this. We're going to have a good time. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Can't say no to that. You can't say no to that. So I, that's, that is, I, I literally was just sexing her earlier to check on her. Cause you know, she popped her knee out at the show the other day, but. Oh no. Oh yeah. She dislocated her knee on accident. Well, I guess it's oh, always but she's doing better, but that's all right. Well, another sister of yours, Salmonella. 
I love Selma. I've had uh, real heart to hearts with her in the past few months. And I think that she is one of the most uh, genuinely loving people that exists. I think she's so beautiful. She's so talented. And uh, I, 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 another person that I talk to almost daily and just, uh, that's, that's my sister. I love her. Well, next up, isn't she iconic? It's Jax. I, I don't have anything to say about her. I hate her. <laughs> that Jax is, is my partner in crime, is probably, besides Hibiscus, my best friend in drag. We, she's at my, she does brunch with me every other week just to save herself because she has her show on Saturdays. So it would be a lot to do it every week. But like, I, I, that's, that's my bestie and a testy. I think the world of Jax, I think Jax is so talented. I Absolutely. Another person that I just am so excited to see what comes of their career. And when like the world really gets a taste of Jax, it's going to be wild. And I think, I think what I love most about Jax is that Jax is really passionate about her other things outside of drag. And it's mm -hmm. sometimes gives her conflict and pause about her drag, which I, in the grand scheme of things, I think is a good thing. It, uh, there are times when I think we get obsessed with what we're doing. And she has these other mm -hmm. things that keeps her grounded and questioning why she does it. And she, she will ask that question of why am I doing this? Is this making me happy? What will bring me more happiness? And I think that's what makes her drag so good is because she keeps having to pull back and say, what is going to make me more happy? Not vers yeah. versus the people that are like, what is going to get me more booked? What is going to make me more money? She sure. pauses and says, what's going to make me happier? And then it's most important. Of does that. And I'm just like, oh, it's it, it's just, I it's good. It's great it, to have. It's, it's an important thing to have. And, and it is a talent because there are a lot of us, myself included, I don't, I, I think it's all work. It's all work. I can't, I can't disconnect sometimes. Mm -hmm. And Jax is someone who's like, fuck you. I'm disconnecting and I'll see you in a week. Thanks. And I love her for it because I think when someone that talented and that booked and that well-respected in the community is able to do that, I think it opens it up and gives permission Absolutely. for everybody around them to be able to say, Hey, I need to do the same thing yeah. for my sanity. And yeah, I love her so much. All right, let's talk about New York City's pocket rocket, Hibiscus. That, I, you put a little sandwich of jacks in Hibiscus, and I just, uh, uh, there is no one kinder than Hibiscus. I am blown away by her talent. I, I, I work with her twice a week, and every time she performs, I still am sitting there with my jaw on the floor watching her because she's just, such a dynamic and phenomenal artist to watch perform. And I, I mean, what, if you, if you haven't seen her, then you're missing out. And I, I, I just can't speak higher of Hibiscus and I'm so happy that I get to work with Hibiscus. And I, I think we have a really nice dynamic, but at the same time, she is just excellent about working with people. She does really yeah. well. Uh, she does phenomenally on her own, but she's 
one of the few people that I know if she is paired up with anybody in the city is going to just knock it out of the park because she's just a great person and great to work with. So, and she's Absolutely. somebody that I think is kind of slept on in the city. She's been doing this five plus years and people just haven't really paid attention until now. And I am just happy she's finally getting her flowers and finally getting seen and noticed right now. I love her. Can I give you one more person? And I know your head over heels for her. Taylor Mountain Jones. Uh, I, I don't like her either. I, she's she's dumb. No, I get I get choked up when I talk about her sometimes. I I we became roommates before we became friends, mm-hmm. and it it's just one of those things where like. There, there are people in my life that I've met and I'm like, oh, we're going to be friends until we die. And then that's not the case. And there are people that I think that I will be able to just like lean on for the rest of my life. And I can with earnest say that Taylor is just that person to me. Like we yeah. throw around best friend a lot. And I think in everybody's life, we all have like five best friends, but then there's that one right. person like it's beyond friendship with her. That's my, that that's just my other half. And I, I love her so much and I miss her. Yeah. And it's, I just went out to LA for my birthday and got to see her in Hamilton three times. And it was just like, what, how? You sang two songs and somehow you're still the star of this. And like, yeah. I, it, it, I, I don't know. She's just- yeah. She's just perfect. And I'm so I know, excited I, I, about props. I remember seeing her in Head Over Heels and being like, this a superstar, absolute superstar. Because I, I was friends with uh, Bonnie Milligan. Uh, sure. She had been in a, in a couple um, workshops of my musical. Uh, so I was really excited for Bonnie. And I still say justice for Bonnie Milligan. But whatever, Tony voters, you do whatever you need to do. cannot believe the disrespect that Absolutely. Bonnie Milligan was handed that year. But whatever whatever yeah okay you've fallen down a rabbit hole on youtube what are you watching videos of um recently synchronized swimming or okay baby i'm telling you i don't smoke weed anymore but if you do smoke weed (laughs) get really high and just look up professional synchronized swimming and also we ended up tumbling down a hole one time it was me elijah caldwell Lexington Banks and Fancy Drew. And we were, we ended up watching men's, I think it's like quad gym, acrobatic gymnastics. Okay, yeah, yeah. And there's always just like one of them that is clearly like a 10 year old boy that they just throw in the air and they're all- fl- uh, it, Hibiscus? It, hibiscus, hibiscus. No, but for some reason, like those as of late, like are the things that I just love to watch. Or as any true musical theater gay, I will go deep down a rabbit hole of just watching belting videos. Yeah. If you had to pick one New York City drag queen to be your partner on The Amazing Race, who would it be? On The Amazing Race? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I mean, probably Hibiscus or Jax. I think the those are are my my two girls. You know, no, it would be Marty. 
I already know mm -hmm. that Marty and I work well together and communicate well, though Marty gets a little stressed out and gets some anxiety. I still know that that bitch would turn it out and we would, I, 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 would, I would run with Marty. All right, there you go. We're going to do the pop five rapid fire. I'm going to give you five pop culture headline stories, things that happened recently. You're going to give me a word phrase story, whatever you want to say about each. Okay. All right. Number one, six, the musical finally opens. Oh, I am very lucky and I got to go to opening night and I've been obsessed with it since 2018 or whenever it was first out. And I, I, I phenomenal. And one of my best friends is an alternate for the show. And so now I'm just with which wife for you. Ooh, I perform get down almost every week. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely giving Anne of Cleves the All woman right. that doesn't need a man or his money. All right. Number two is tick, tick, boom, trailer drops. Um, I am, it's not my favorite Jonathan Larson piece. Um, mm -hmm. and I performed a couple of songs from that in school. So I feel a little bit of, of, uh, like, recall when i hear it but it looks good and it looks like it was handled well and i'm excited that it's lin-manuel miranda's uh directorial debut so we'll see number three ted lasso is the best television show on tv right now if i had to choose to watch ted lasso or squid game for the rest of my life i would pick ted lasso 10 times over it's but a fun one it's squid. so heartwarming it's Hold your thought there because it's coming up. <laughs> All right. Number four is Beanie Feldstein in Funny Girl. I'm excited. I, I don't know. I'm Funny Girl is not on my list of like, oh my God, musicals. So like, yeah. word. Let's hope there's some people of color involved with it. <laughs> they just announced casting today and there is someone. So. Oh, not uh, someone. <laughs> Well, of, of the main three. Okay, um, great. <laughs> um, uh, it's uh, Ramen Camerlou, uh, Jane Lynch. Well, and right. I don't remember who, who the other one was, but uh, yeah. All right, number five, you, you mentioned already. Talk about it, Squid Game. I loved it. My boyfriend and I watched it like a week before all the craze. So we were mm -hmm. like sitting at home like, that was great. And then all of a sudden everybody started watching it and it was like, okay, cool. We weren't crazy. I love it. I, I, I had um, vivid dreams, very graphic dreams, not about like what happened on the show, but just very violent dreams. I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have watched this. Maybe this was not good for me. Fair. But it, God, it was intense. Did you watch the subbed or dubbed version? I watched the subtitles. I can't okay. stand watching foreign films with dubs. I think it's terrible. That's fair. I have a fan corner question for you. Yeah. This is from Amanda Massacre. I love her. She says, do you know how iconic you are? Also, tell us about how you kicked those white twinks out of your show. <laughs> um, I do not think I am iconic quite yet, but uh, the white twinks, uh, Hibiscus and I were doing Quench at Playhouse mm -hmm. and Midway through the show, this group of very drunk individuals came into the bar and they came and sat at the very front table and were just rowdy during Hibiscus's number, picking up chairs and acting like they were gonna throw them. They kept getting up and dancing during the numbers. 
And I was just like, okay. And at one point I got up and I looked at one of them and I was like, what do you do for work? And he was like, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, oh, so you work in an office? And he goes, yeah. And I was like, cool. How much would you love it if I just showed up to your office at your work and just stood there and just like danced or, or talked at you, just, just generally distracting. And he was like, I don't get it. And I was like, of course not. Cool. Got back into the show, yada, 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 yada. And then all of a sudden in the middle of Hibiscus's last number, one of them did something and their entire table just goes crashing to the ground. Drinks all over the floor, cell phones all over the floor. So I had uh, DJ J Clef cut the music and I was like, yo, this is wild. Now our entire performance space is covered in your drinks, your ice. It's unsafe for us to work here. There are going to be even more younger queens for Polish the Queen that are gonna be in this space that aren't used to the space performing here. And you've now made a mockery of that. Uh, you've got to get out of here. And uh, th that's a succinct version of it, but. Yeah, good for you. I mean, it has to happen. I mean, there are definitely um, people who think they have a little too much privilege when they walk into a bar. Yep, that's all. Yeah. Well, I have a question from my previous guest for you. Uh-huh. I have my previous guest. That's my current guest question. And this is from Jenna Sequa. Oh, I love her. With no, I, I okay, preface this. I did slightly streamline the question because the question when she asked it was a little long so we're gonna we change a little bit with no limits for what you can wish for what are your three drag wishes um full financial security with mm -hmm. benefits um i would love another solo show and uh my next my last drag wish is that there would be honest diversity across our drag genres. I would love a weekly King show. I would love alternative shows in Hell's Kitchen. I would, I would love for there to be a market for that as well, because I think mm -hmm. that we dictate what our shows look like depending on what neighborhood we're in. And I'm kind of mm -hmm. tired of that. And I would, I would love for it to really be a, a full scene. I love that. Well, now is your turn to ask my next guest a question. Ooh. And it can be about anything you would like it to be. Oh, and I don't know who it is. Nope. Um, fuck, Mary kill Stephanie's child. All right, that you know what? One the first year I did, I tried to do red carpet coverage of the Glam Awards. That was my question to people. Fun, fun answers. I'm excited for this one. Well, I like to try to expand the community as best I can. Who would you like to hear on Block Talk for an interview? Oh, I would love to hear from Violet Tendency Tendencies. Mm -hmm. Um. Who else would I love? Yeah, she's um, she's been on a couple times. She's we she? love her. Yeah, yeah. Or, um, she was one of my very first uh, drag interviews I did. Oh, almost two, three years ago. Damn it, goddamn. Um, and uh, Mr. Melkiki, mm -hmm. love, and I would love to hear from Bianca Starr. I think that she is like about to be an it girl, and I would love to hear more about her. Nice. Well. 
where can we find you on social media and Venmo? You can find me on social media at peacheswiththez.nyc. That's peacheswiththez.nyc. And you can find me on Venmo at peacheswiththez-nyc. That's peacheswiththez-nyc. Because I don't let and you that put single that. drops when? Actually. exclusive well peaches it was an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast it was so great being here with you thank you so much the biggest thanks to peaches for coming on subscribe on apple podcasts audible google play spotify soundcloud or stitcher and leave us a review while you're there if you have any questions or comments drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link like listen love until next time i'm michael block that was block talk Mm -hmm.